Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows and talk about how the themes, concept and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host Jeremy Tallerman and joining me today is my co-host Danny Kalamari who's just finished beating a hot dog man to death in a New York alley. He deserved it, it was a bad hot dog. Look, it's a New York hot dog stall, <laughs> I really don't know what you're expecting. Uh, you may have expected a little bit too much from from poor Sanjeev um but you know what that's that's his choice isn't it exactly he shouldn't have been yeah. there when I was angry so at the end of the day whose fault is it yeah not mine <laughs> I mean who isn't angry when they're walking down the street in New York really <laughs> I will point out that I chose the name Sanjeev based on the one hot dog man that I've met in New York <laughs> So apologies to you, Sanjeev. You're actually a very nice person who gave me extra mustard. Um, we are talking about today uh, Echo, Season 1, Episode 4, Taloa, uh, in which Maya finds herself at a crossroads after learning more about her past. And, oh, this was a talky episode. There was mm. a lot of talking. There yes. was um, Kingpin and Maya talking, and then... Maya and Henry talking, and then Maya and her grandmother talking, and then some more of the Kingpin and Maya talking, and that was it. Yeah, it really was. It was actually just all talky. Yeah, all the talky, talky, talk. This was a role play heavy mm. session, is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, exposition be heavy. <laughs> yeah, exposition heavy. I did have um, a game just recently where. The group was at like a gala, a dwarven gala, and the entire mm. thing was just them talking and like robbing different nobles and stuff. And at the end, I'm like, all right, so I'm going to roll the first attack of the game. <laughs> uh, it was fun. But this was, no, I, I feel that you need a calm before the storm in the final yep. episode or the penultimate episode of a show. Uh, and it does kind of start to set, well, I've said this before on many times, it sets up all the pieces for that final encounter. Yeah. And that's kind of where this goes. It's like putting people into the places they need to be mentally just as much. It's like it's got Kingpin getting rejected for the final time and being like, oh, I'm angry on my plane. And we've got <laughs> Maya making her choices, which I still can't actually tell what her choices mean. Mm -hmm. um, we get a little bit more information about the vision she's been receiving, which is something. <laughs> she has yeah, them because reasons <laughs> is that what you got from it i wasn't sure yeah i didn't really get a proper answer no it, it was i think it's a heritage thing as in just like because she's in that bloodline maybe yeah i mean i got that that was seemed pretty clear maybe i yeah. just have watched a lot of television but <laughs> But I mean, like, I th like, I don't think there was any major reason past that. Oh, okay. It wasn't like, yeah, hey, now you got superpowers. No, as in, like, it wasn't, like, because of anything, like, specifically that she did or that happened or, like, it wasn't transferred to her. I think yeah. it was just inherited. I feel like in the Marvel Universe, this is a conversation that happens actually quite frequently. It's like, <laughs> hey, um... Mum, I've like started to develop like fire fingers 
And I was just wondering, is that something like genetic? Like, do I have to go and stay with the X-Men? Oh, no, 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 your grandfather had that. You're fine. Oh, yeah, okay, we, great. We, we, yeah, your grandfather was an alien. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It's just, this is just a thing that our family does. Okay, cool. All right, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I did like this as a way of like kind of explaining a level up or gaining new powers. Yeah. Like I like that idea of suddenly they're there and you know idea and you got to go to like the the mentor or a family member who goes yes you can now channel the power of your ancestors, um, <laughs> sort of feel to it. Yeah. Um, which makes me start to think that Maya is actually a monk barbarian. Um, yeah. Uh, as a as a class. I she's think she the... leveled up with a multi-class now. Yeah, and she's going for a spirit ancestor barbarian. Or, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I was going to say, or a bit more ranger, considering I am. the stuff from last episode. With the shooting. But with the shooting and stuff. Can she not miss? Is that the idea? I, I don't think so. I think she can miss, because that's so much more. I feel that it's just more that she's she's able to use their focus just as much as her own. Right. Because this does lead into some questions like, well, what is it that she can do then if she's just getting all these powers from her ancestors? Yeah. And it's like, well, no, she's like fucking good before all this stuff happened. It's like, I feel that it's like a little bit more when in need, she can pull on this power as well. Yeah. Which which is cool too. Um, I always like the idea of like using ancestor power. To, to gain power for, for your character. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, <laughs> I do agree. Okay. I've got some questions okay. about how it works here. Please do. Give me, give me your questions. Her grandmother. What, so, <laughs> why can't she Oh, okay, this? sorry. I thought you meant about my, my let's bring ancestors into like games. No, no. We're having well, questions but, about Echo. Yes, let's go for no, it. But, but, but no, but I mean, even then though, even when you do something like that, if you're if you've got powers purely because you're a part of a certain bloodline with ancestors yeah. and stuff, and then you have other people from that bloodline as active characters in your story, yeah, there needs to be some sort of explanation as to why they can't do that. Why I can't guess. they? <laughs> like I thought this was pretty clear that her grandmother also has those visions and Well, she has the visions. She she has the connection yeah. to them, but she doesn't seem to talk about anything like being able to use their abilities, I guess. Is that not what she was doing when she gave birth to, to Loa, uh, Maya's mother? Is that what she was saying? That like, I had this incredible thing and I wasn't going to get through it, but I was able to channel the power that they gave me and and create this well, bond between myself and your mother. Yeah. And you know, I'm no. really angry that you're, she's dead. And yeah, suddenly it went on to like- yeah family therapy yeah no it did but it's i don't know i just especially her grandmother clearly being more in tune with the ancestors than uh, maya is i didn't catch that i didn't think really? she was i thought I th- she seemed to have much more knowledge about their heritage and stuff i don't know well, that, that's, that's, that's the impression i got older and yeah, sorry. I think that's just her being yeah. older and growing up in the area and the, or Maya not growing up in the area. Okay. No, fair enough. We see like that her grandmother's dealing with the Choctaw um, powwow and like she's part of the community. Yeah. Like she's got all these, these other people in the community with her. So she just knows this stuff. 
It's like it's yeah, possible true. everyone has this this power in that community because yeah. they're all from the the Choctaw line, and or maybe that first woman that we saw Chaffer, um, because it's her line specifically. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Does that mean Biscuits has got superpowers? <laughs> that would be cool. Maybe. Biscuits superhero. I, I miss Biscuits this episode. Honestly, I wanted mm. more Biscuits. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of yeah. what I was kind of getting at is like I think if I'm running a I'm running a game and my character's got stuff based on ancestry, yeah. um, and the character's got like a grandparent, for example, in there, then I would probably put in like, oh yeah, no, like I've been using these abilities, you just don't know about it, like even making like oh, i was a bit of a badass i was you know utilizing the skills of our ancestors as well um where it just feels like yes it helped her get through um giving birth but then post that i don't know it just uh, i think what it is for me a lot of it seems to focus on maya um specifically zoning in on what is it three of the ancestors yeah well i'm wondering is that because these three were the only ones that the film had, or the TV series had budget for? Probably. Because I feel but, like a longer series, you'd have more of them. Yes. Um, but it's more like she's grabbing specific skills. Yeah. Right? So, it just it's fine if it was a more general thing of like, oh, I'm just like harnessing their power. For Maya, it's like it seems to be like it works. Like she's grabbing skills from them. So, mm. for the grandmother, I don't, I don't know about who had the I'm skill not sure of surviving she, childbirth. I'm not sure if she's. I'm keep interrupting. I'm sorry. It, no, it's okay. It feels like she's not grabbing skills because in that moment with Loak, when the palms glow, yeah, that felt like Loak was doing something as well. Like, Loak was surprised by this. So, she was tapping into the ancestor skills at that moment or that ancestor power at the moment. Yeah. And then it's kind of going back to that moment when her ancestor tapped into that power too. Right. So, it's not quite, I'm borrowing the power from you. It's like, no, no, we're all coming to the same room at different points in time and all seeing each other at that point. Okay. So, it's like, yeah. Loak's gone and grabbed the powers, so Maya is now going, like, seeing that vision of Loak doing it and going, oh, I can do that too, rather than just going, Loak, you are pretty fucking strong. I'm going to take that stuff. <laughs> right, okay. Because I'm wondering if that's why it's got that that water well aspect when they're in the cave. Like, they're mm. going back to the cave and finding that power inside them. Right. Which I like better, so it's not like I'm not drawing on the power of the ancestors. I'm drawing on the advice from the ancestors. Yeah. So it's still what's inside you, but the ancestors are like, oh, yeah, I had that cool thing too. You do it this way. Yeah. Which I I like too, because I also like the idea of a grandfather just standing and goes, they didn't talk like that in my day. (laughs) Like, in my day, and you're getting like all this racist old wisdom from a grandfather. (laughs) Yeah, you've got like the abilities for your ancestors, and then one of your ancestors is just like racist advice. Yeah, like super racist. It's like, oh, goblins? <laughs> well, I can give you extra damage against them if you want. No, <laughs> no, granddad, I don't want. <laughs> like, goblins are my friends. Are you sure? <laughs> They're always stealing from you. It's like, 
No, we share things. We're a party. Um, that doesn't sound likely. <laughs> Racist grandpa barbarian. I love it. <laughs> oh, there's all there's always those out there. Um, I did have. I wanted to create a sorcerer class where it was a bloodline sorcerer. Yeah, and it was basically some like this was an idea that this world had been around for like oh. 50,000, 60,000 years of just civilizations rising and falling and rising and falling and rising and falling. So somewhere in your ancestry, you have like the the powers of a great conqueror or like this amazing mage. And you might not know it, but occasionally you could like channel spell slots and just be like, I'm just going to do this thing. Yeah. Because I've got like, let my ancestor take over and suddenly you're Napoleon riding into battle. Right. I like the idea. I never really kind of got it to work but i, I like the idea because barbarians are so very much channel the ancestors and use it in combat whereas i don't think there's that aspect of it in um in the non-martial classes as much no there isn't really which is yeah a little disappointing well speaking you of could... uh, a lack of you, you, <laughs> i was going to segue into like the old talkiness of this episode but you've got a point and i'd rather hear that so i was just going to say like it would like with something like doing it with D&D, it could simply be just like um, role-play-wise, you look at your different spells and be like, all right, this spell, this ability comes from this ancestor, so I channel them when I do this spell and stuff like that instead yeah. of like it may not need to be something mechanically um, mm. if that becomes too difficult. I like that. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I cast Firebolt because one of my ancestors was an arsonist. <laughs> Exactly. I'm thinking, I think it's Monster of the Week. I'm mm-hmm. certainly, I know the, um, oh, what was the podcast that was called? I can't remember. It was a Monster of the Week podcast. That's wonderful. Um, but one of the skills is that you always have the right tool or you've read a book that tells you how to do the thing you need. And okay. because it was an actual play, the Game Master was very much like, okay, tell me the book you read that tells you how to break into a safe. Or tell me the book you read that tells you about the evil arch fay that's coming through a dimensional portal to at you right now. <laughs> and the player having to come up with that on the spot. And I like that idea too. It's like, all right, tell me the ancestor that knows this skill. Yeah. Just giving that it, it's like, yeah, you'll you'll know this, but you've got to come up with a reason why. <laughs> oh, actually, speaking of reasons why. Um, and making things easier for a game. Let's talk about the magic contact lens that Maya gets in this episode. That the, basically the kingpin's there to to give to her. Uh, we mm-hmm. think it's going to kill her, but no, no, just going to grab her and pop a contact lens in her face. So when he talks, the magic ghost arms appear, and she can see uh, sign language now. Yeah. Um, first of all, I've never used contact lenses. I don't know if you ever have. I haven't. I'm terrified of them. Yeah, well, thankfully my vision's perfect. So, uh, (laughs) I've watched people in my life use contact lenses. Geez, good on Kingpin for getting that first go. (laughs) Just right there, just super easily. Not the first time he's done something with somebody's eye, I suspect. (laughs) No. Oh, yeah. Well, well, he's, look, for a big man, he's actually Mm. very gentle. And he's got yep. quite um, nimble fingers. Um, I think that's a, a nice little touch. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that it creates the ghost arms that do the signs for her when mm-hmm. when he um, 
when he talks. And then he's got a version himself, I'm guessing, that'll... Oh, that's what it is. Anyway, um, he's got a version himself that translates her sign. Yeah, you can actually hear it. him. Yeah. I mean, when you watch the episode, you can hear, like, a little, like, noise coming from his ear where it's, yeah. like, tra- like, a robot voice translating it. I think that was definitely an ADR thing where it was added in post because people were like, how's he understanding? Yeah, definitely. Because... Now, I want to talk about this as not so much in the idea of the show, because, all right, that's fair. Kingpin does seem like the kind of guy that do this. But the idea of a magic item or some sort of technology or ability that just removes a disability from mm. the character. Like, I get what they're going for in this, particularly because later on Maya basically spells it out that he didn't want to learn sign language, so he gave her something that means he doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not quite sure about either. But it felt very much like D&D. Like, yeah. um, hey, here's Goodberry, so you don't have to worry about eating. Here's this skill, so you don't have to worry about sleeping. Here's this thing. And then it's like kind of they've created a reality simulator and then removing everything that makes it reality. Mm. And I just really, it really struck me as that element of, okay, here's a mechanic that we don't like anymore. Let's give you something to remove it. Yeah. And in a TV show, that's, it felt so very problematic because it honestly did feel like, well, it felt like that they were trying to make the scenes easier to film. Because yeah, now Kingpin can just talk to her and like move around. And as long as Maya's looking at him, she knows exactly what he's saying and vice versa. But then they've yeah. got to go back in post and add the ghost arms. Yeah. And Whenever if this technology was real, that would be amazing. That would be an incredible technological advancement, right? Yeah. But in, ter- but in terms of the show and like removing, not removing the disability, but what's the word like racing passing it like uh, i don't know it's yeah it, it does feel odd i at least mm. appreciated that it didn't suddenly make her able to do it with every character it was just kingpin yeah. i um, was expecting her to be able to do it with every character me too but me too, i think all I the like, other oh characters God, are okay. already using sign language so it doesn't matter yeah i i actually don't think it works other than with kingpin that would make sense because there is that moment where he like matches his face, um, yeah. as she's putting it on. So it seems like it's it's coded to him, which yeah. is good because he fucking shot his old interpreter. <laughs> I don't understand. Like whatever, he's a villain, I guess. I do, do I we want to do the villain contact now? Do we want to talk about villains? Sure, All right, we'll talk I about villains so. now. We we touched the magic contact lenses because I want to. I wanted to talk more. Like, there's a lot about magic contact lenses and that idea yeah. that I hey, dislike. It could still be, you know, that thing I said at the last episode about using minor illusion for subtitles. Yeah. You can technically use minor illusion for ghost sign arms. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but still, it's, yeah, there is a, I think there is a level there in terms of it being a bit problematic where it's like, if you're having that, we've talked about it in the past, then why is the character deaf? If we're erasing the whole thing about them being deaf, mm. um, yeah, it's a yeah. There, there's a lot there 
which I don't think we're probably the um, the people to talk about. Yeah. The people to talk on it a heaps, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a a bit of a touchy issue, I think. There, I think they very wisely called it out. Uh, yes. When Maya says, you did this, like, this isn't a gift. You did this so you didn't have to learn sign language. Yeah. And that um, he has to force her to take it as well. Yeah. Like, this isn't something that she asked for. It's nothing, something yeah. that she's looked for, that she's said, hey, this would be really cool if I've had. It's like, no, she's quite happy where she is. And part of Kingpin's control and aspects of Kingpin's control is making sure that she has that. And again, that works kind of really well as a villain for for your role-playing game by giving characters stuff that they may really need like to survive mm. in some situations and having someone that they don't want to be beholden to doing it for them. Yeah, it's kind of it did like kind of emphasize it like Kingpin and we'll get into this or talking about villains and stuff, but there is a there is a care for Maya. Right, mm. there is like a, he does, he does, I don't know if love's the right word, but there is, there is a care for her, but as a father figure, obviously, like, because he kind of is, Maya would just, would obviously prefer an actual, like, yeah. you know, l- acts of love, but he's like, oh no, instead of like spending the time learning sign, I'll just put a shit ton of money into <laughs> getting other people <laughs> to give me a technology so I don't have to learn it. So I don't need to, yeah. Yeah, and in um, his mind, it probably is for Maya in a way of like, oh, I've given her something, but it's not like that's not the act of love that she wants or would you know care about. It's interesting to compare him with say Thanos in Infinity War, where it's like yeah. I I feel that for Kingpin this is love, like he does love Maya like a daughter, he will do yes. anything for her, but his his wants and his needs come before everyone else's. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, it's like, no, no, I don't want to learn sign language. So I'm going to do something to you. So I don't have to, but I still get to communicate with you. Yeah. So that's the, that's the want I have. He has, like he wants to communicate, but he doesn't want to compromise on anything. So he's going to do this and fuck you if you don't like it kind Mm -hmm. of aspect. And it's, yeah, it's very, I feel it's very well written. It's like, it's a very abusive, toxic relationship, but uh, I feel like a realistic one Yeah. as well. And I think that's part of why he gets so upset and why he's not there to kill her. Yeah. Like he's not like you shot, you tried to kill me. That made me sad. Yeah. But I am still your father. I love kind of feel. She just pours his wine in the sink. Yeah. That was cool. I don't think he had actually poisoned it or anything. He just he didn't even get angry. He just seemed genuinely sad that this expensive wine has just been poured down the drain. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, kids, am I right? <laughs> well, they're going to lash out after you. They shoot you in the face and after you kill their actual father, which was never under- explained. I feel that that's where it kind of falls down. It's like it's never explained why he had um, her father killed or why he used Ronan why he used Hawkeye to do it. Like, that's random. Yeah, yeah I know. Anyway, that's, that's, it's a whole, <laughs> look, we could get into the, the poor backstory element if we ever do Hawkeye, but that's, that's fine. Let's talk about the fact that he just killed the, um, killed the <laughs> interpreter. 
Mm-hmm. Which we really should have. Well, I saw coming as soon as she walked away from the table, but uh, she should have seen coming when she saw all the the um what is it the building the construction um <laughs> covering over the over the room. It's like I'm walking down a hallway. Oh, there's a lot of construction paper. Boom. It's like yeah, you're dead. You're dead. But she she walks out of the room so confident as well. I know. It's only once she gets down the hall, she's like, no, please don't kill me. I actually in that scene. She walked away, and I remember, I remember thinking, like, oh, he's going to kill her. And then it didn't happen straight away, and I thought, oh, good. I'm glad he's not just a senseless. And then you hear the screaming. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Which is so great as well, because he's just having a quiet, comfy conversation with Maya, who can't hear what's going on behind yeah. her. Yeah. And that, it raises so many questions. All right, let's, let's talk about the Kingpin now. So, yeah. Maya sees him fucking destroy that that um hot dog merchant who abused not abused her but insulted her yeah and joins in like she comes over and starts kicking the dude as well and it did feel like he was trying to hide that aspect of himself from her like he wanted to be the nice uncle who like is just who gives her gifts and like raises her as as a, a daughter but then there's the the aspect of the um the interpreter where it's like your final lesson is you're the only people you can trust are you and me and sends the interpreter off and gets shoots her, but doesn't let Maya see that. Yeah. And it's like, well, why not? Because all the stuff you're saying later on is that you two are the same and that you both have this connection and, you know, you want her to inherit, but apparently you don't want to see all the dark, dirty stuff of it. Yeah. I think in the scene, it's supposed to, I think it's supposed to like be more about like, he's never truly going to let her see everything. Right. I think that's right. Um, that's right. And like, you know, he, he does even like almost take advantage of the fact that she's deaf. Yeah. Um, in Constantly. certain things as well, making it easier for him to hide things from her. Mm. Um, so in this, I, I get kind of why it was done right within the scene mm. um, in terms of just showing that, everything he's saying doesn't actually align with his actions. I'm wondering but, now, so yeah. that first mission that he sent her on with the two guys, whether she was supposed to get killed in that. I don't think so. I think he knew just, he just knew Daredevil was going to be there. Yeah, maybe. I think the whole thing was a bit more of like an intentional test, probably knowing Daredevil was like, watching them They're, yeah that's that's probably the case as well yeah yeah and just kind of seeing how she would fare yeah but i think also if she died it was like great now i don't have to deal with the fact that she's yeah. probably going to come after me if she ever finds out about her dad yeah if she died then oh well she wasn't good enough anyway <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, he'd be sad for a little while but he'd, he'd get over yeah it. but i think um yeah that i think that's why they kill the interpreter in that scene However, I don't know. It feels, in terms of the actual character in the actual world, it feels pointless. It does work to show what kind of villain he is. Yeah. Like, I think there's a couple of moments in this to show us what type of person... Like, this episode is very much Kingpin's episode. As much as it's called Taloa, and it's yeah. kind of about... about Maya and her ancestors and her mother. This is about her father. 
yeah. for one of a better word, the kingpin. Um, and you get those two moments, the one where he has the interpreter killed and it's all very calm and just like, this is just something I've got to do. You can only trust yourselves, that yeah. sort of aspect. And then there's the beating the hot dog man to death. Oh, he's, he survives, I, if I'm not I'm yeah, pretty certain, because he he's still yeah. shallowy breathing at the end of it. <laughs> um, but those two types of vil- that evil, I guess, where death to him is meaningless, but sometimes it's full of passion and rage and sometimes it is completely cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, he can just kill you. Yeah. And just feel nothing about it. And yeah, I really like that for a villain. Like that, I love to have those villains who just go that little bit extra step and kind of lose control sometimes. Yeah. And they're okay with that. Like that's just chip probably shouldn't have kicked him that last time and sent his eyeballs rolling out. Oh, well we'll get a new accountant, like not more concerned about the things rather than the people. Yeah. And to have a couple of those scenes and try to put them in your role-playing games, in your storytelling to show the players, this is who you're dealing with. This is the, the monster that you have to deal with. Um, I think it's a great way of making them scary. Because mm-hmm. honestly, Kingpin, he's not scary for what he looks like or who he is, right? Like, he's a big he's guy. Like, yeah, he's, he's physically like intimidating in terms of his size. But he's got like a, a lot of the time while he can be like kind of scary in his face, he's also got like a really like soft, like soft expressions, like soft eyes. Um, he's quiet as yeah. well. But he has that, he's got that uh, that feel of power around him. Yeah. But so often it's just him. It's like him alone. He doesn't have the sidekick. He doesn't have the goons that are always with him. Like he deals with stuff from such a distance. Like the fact that he called um, Chief Jason Statham last week and just like said on the phone stop it <laughs> like he didn't have to be there in person he just had to say the word like that's the power that kingpin has he's very much the behind the scenes sort of villain so to have yeah. him there and occasionally lose control and you show that that ability he has as well it's like oh you don't want to piss him off that way either yeah now he called him and he's like i spent millions of dollars on this contact lens tech he's like don't kill her yeah. now <laughs> don't kill her now i gotta fucking test it first <laughs> yeah oh uh, i do like kingpin as a villain just in general There's yeah i do something as well about that slightly good well not even slightly good that um amoral business shady business guy mm-hmm. and i think for me like being fully honest right like i there is just a thing I need to get over with the fact with how I'm seeing him represented here compared to mm. how he was in like the Daredevil show, because I just mm. think it did it better in nearly it every did. way in terms of his portrayal and even having the the bursts of anger alongside the actual compassion and him with Vanessa and Vanessa. <laughs> all of that. Like I just think it did it much better 
and with this yeah. and it's hard not to compare in my head also being the same actor and supposed to be yeah. the same character so it's yeah i don't know that it is i think for me i'm struggling a little bit with not feeling a bit let down i think mm. um not that he's terrible here but definitely um it definitely feels like a step down he feels like a tired, very tired version of the first one. Yeah. That has gone through all this stuff and has not given up, but just has retreated from everything. Yeah, and he, he still just... feels like he's in panic mode. Yeah. Like in, in all of the modern, like in when you have the flashbacks, he's not. But in the modern stuff, he's like in this panic mode, especially like at the end of Hawkeye, gets kind of like he gets beaten up <laughs> yeah he gets and then shot panics. He, and then he panics and he begs for his life then gets shot and now he's here and kind of panicking he's like Maya please like I, I need you um see that that never struck me as like the, I haven't read too much Kingpin stuff because he is kind of a little bit more of a daredevil villain than a spider-man villain now yeah and it always struck me as he's someone who is always in control until he loses it and beats someone to death with the cane kind of kind of feel mm-hmm. but he would never beg for his life no like he just stand there and take it yeah you go yeah now you become me because you're killing me kind of aspect and exactly. yeah i i, I agree what you said that he he feels like he's panicked in in um in Hawkeye and in here as well, he's like struggling to regain all the power and things that he lost once he was dead, and he's yeah. trying to regain Maya's favor. It's like, no, what do you need Maya for? Yeah, like, I know she's like, your daughter, but still, especially it being both Kate Bishop and Maya that have like brought him to this at the moment. They're new at what they do. Mm. And it feels like it's it feels earned if it's someone that's been at the game for a long time. You know what I mean? Like even yeah. if it was Clint Clint Bishop Clint, no, Clint, Clint, Bishop, Clint Barton. Clint Barton Hawkeye. Or someone as much as it's just Hawkeye, but someone that's kind of been in the game for a long time. Like it being Kate Bishop, she was brand new at it. It's like the first time she'd ever suited up, right? Yeah. And kind of beat him up. And then Maya at least is a bit more um experience but he's still kind mm. of new at all of this even just to in our from our perspective right like we yeah. haven't built up that like that we've seen to then go to this big moment where where it's like oh he's panicking we don't see him like this like he's actually begging um which i think would feel more impactful if you see him just like not breaking for so long and now he's begging mm. but kind of his introduction here even the mcu and stuff he's or I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't have that that weight, I guess. It doesn't have that fear that's necessary for somebody or that power that's necessary for someone like this. Yeah. Like the fact, I mean, when Daredevil fights him, Daredevil's very much like, okay, cool. So you're going to go to prison and this is kind of how it's going to play out. And that's, I'm pretty certain what happened. I kind of vaguely remember the first mm-hmm. season of Daredevil. Um, that he, he goes to prison and that's kind of not the end of it. But he still has the power. He still has the connections. He still has all these things following that. It's not a physical beat them up because there's consequences to all of that. 
And it just felt a little bit like, okay, if Kate Bishop can take him down, if Maya, who's in his organization, can easily take him down, why hasn't anyone? Yeah. Like, what is it? What power does he have that everyone's so scared of? We're not seeing that power. No, not at all. And I I feel like we need to. Yeah, like, he should be, right? Like, if we're building him up to be, like, the Thanos of the street level stuff, Mm. then it should be a thing of, like, oh, he could go toe-to-toe with Spider-Man relatively okay. Like, Spider-Man should have trouble with him. Obviously, Spider-Man's stronger, right? But Spider-Man should... But it's the unexpectedness of it. Exactly. He should struggle with the the power and all of that stuff. Um, And the responsibility. Yeah. But I feel like this version of Kingpin... Peter should be able to come down, punch him once, and he's he's out. He's like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just knocked over, and he stands back up, and he's like, I'll be back. Ha, ha, ha. I'll get you next time, Peter. I'll get you next time, Spider-Man. <laughs> um, kind of feel. And yeah, I feel that's not great. And again, we're, we're told a lot more than we're shown. Yeah. Because, partly because they don't have that many episodes to do it in but henry when he's mopping up the blood and saying i'm all alone because kingpin killed everybody else i just love that there's a shot of him mopping the blood up of the guy that just got killed but like what threats did kingpin give him what was so what was so terrifying did he just throw a bunch of money around and be like anyone i want dead is dead because i'll pay whoever needs to do it to do it it's like hmm that's scary, but it's only good while you've got the money. And eventually someone's like, well, what if I just killed you and took all your money? What, what if I yeah. did that? Um, it's not, he doesn't have that fear level that I feel that you need in a character like this. That, And I, I will bring this back to role-playing games for the people who are just sitting there at home like, oh, when are they going to talk about D&D again? <laughs> um, you need to have those moments where the character does have that, display of power why are they scary why is the big bad in your your campaign scary to the players like not to the characters they can be you can tell them that they're scared to the character you can tell the players that the characters are scared Mm -hmm. but you want them to be scary to the players as well or and frustrating to the the players you want the players to hate this person and i don't hate kingpin in this no and it's fine to have an empathetic villain um it's fine still that be a as villain. well. It's, yeah, still got to be a villain. And I think like um, even like with, with role-playing games, say you finally even have the big battle and they've taken down the villain and the villain's like fallen in front of them and they're going to kill the villain. Even to have the villain just look at them and smile, knowing they're about to yeah. die, is is powerful. Like to have like even at their last moment still not breaking. Mm-hmm. Um can go a long way and even cause the villain to have weight after they've gone, if you're continuing the campaign. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's not the big bad, but it's, like, someone's a personal character's villain. And, like, oh, they're dead now. I killed them, but, like, I can still feel their presence in my life. And you can play on that, but it doesn't really happen if they break, I think. Depends on the characters. Really depends on the way you want to do your villain. But for someone like Kingpin, um, I don't know. It adds, it adds something to it. Like even with Marvel, you go Spider Man, No Way Home. There's that scene where he's fighting Norman Osborn, 
and he punches him in the face and he smiles when he does it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the Peter I wanted. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, it just, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, as soon as they start begging for their life, it just gets, or, or, or goes into panic mode all the time. It gets, gets rid of the, the fear. But I think that's the element of Kingpin that they probably mistook in in Hawkeye. That Kingpin is not a coward. He's not a no. big bully coward. He's a big bully and a narcissist and psychopath. Yeah. Like he is the psychopath who knows how to wear a nice suit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he cuts off your water and tells you how horrible it is that the council did it. <laughs> sort of aspect. So he gets people on side through all this misdirection and things are so bad because I've like driven all he's the kind of guy who sends a bunch of drug dealers to your block gets them to lower prices and then offers you a job selling drugs <laughs> because it's the only job you can get yeah it's like that's how he he does it but he's never he's never oh no don't hurt me because you're beating me it's like no 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 if you beat him he's still going to keep coming for you until you put him down like that's everything he says about like offering the hammer to Maya to kill him. Yeah. Like that was a better scene. He's like, yeah, I, I've fucked up. I've lost you, but I am ready to give everything to you. So go for it. Prove yourself that you are the person that can take my place. Mm-hmm. And that he murdered his dad with that hammer. Like yeah. that's the type of person he is. He's like, no, no, I'm going to wait until I'm strong enough and then I'm going to beat his brains out. Yeah, which again brings it back to, like, reminds you this is the same one as the Daredevil Kingpin. Yeah. Because it's, like, directly from that show. And I don't know. It just, like, that scene's better, but it doesn't line up with the rest of what we see. Really doesn't. No. And this is going to be a quick rant about the problems with the TV shows. The only reason he got shot in Hawkeye is to lead into this series. Yep. It's like, did, did he need to be shot? Did he need to have that begging for his life? Or could Meyer have just made a play on him and got overpowered and got out of town and now he's coming for her? Like, there's no reason for Kingpin to be dead. Like, there's no Yeah, or even if you wanted to do it. the Kingpin's dead, there's ways to do it where he hasn't begged or where he yeah. hasn't, like, lost that control. She Maybe she blows up the building she, she knows he's in and... He's like, I don't know. There's ways where it doesn't. He just shoots her. <laughs> it well, just, sorry, maybe she just shoots him, yeah. Yeah, she shoots him, but he doesn't like, yeah. Maybe she did it in a cowardly way. You know what I mean? Where she's up on a roof and like shoots him in the back. And I don't know. There's there's ways to do it where yeah. he hasn't lost that kind of edge, I guess. This kind of leads into what we were talking about last time with the genres and the the tropes and things like that, that the trope of the the Christmas movie is that the, mm-hmm. the villain is always revealed to be a weak child or in some regard to be immature in that way. And that's what Kingpin in that show was revealed to be because it was a Christmas show. Whereas yeah. that didn't do a favor for him in other media. No. Yeah. Disappoint. Disappoint Marvel. Uh <laughs> so that's um that's our thoughts on kingpin i'm sure we've got more because we could go on about this whole thing over and over and over um but 
what they really need, what Maya and Kingpin really need at the most is a little bit of therapy. Uh, I would say, I think that would really help some family therapy for them. Um, and you know, what works really well for, for therapy role-playing games. It does. It can do. It can. Um, not necessarily action in replace of actual therapy, please go to therapy (laughs) instead. But I, it is a good example of, hey, maybe if they'd had an opportunity to talk through their issues in a way that's that's healthy, um, wouldn't have shot her in the what wouldn't shot him in the face, just just maybe, just just saying, um, maybe if they were able to kill each other's characters in, in the game instead, that would have sorted all of this out, and they'd feel better about it. But since we've been talking so much about Kingpin, all right, let's talk about Kingpin. What would Kingpin be like as a game master? Um, we were <laughs> we were talking um, about this off air, and we're just we just were to talking about this off said. air. Yeah, um, I said he'd be a rocks fall, you die type of game. Yeah, master, rocks fall, everyone is, dies. Everyone dies. Would which that is be the idea of like kind of antagonistic to the players, like as an actual person, a little bit? Or it's like, like I'm trying eventually. To yeah, trying to trying to get one over on them. It's like no, no, I won this game. Yeah. I'm wondering also, because the original Rocks Fall Everyone Dies is from something positive, the webcomic, and it's after one player who's just gone, ah, yes, I I look like a child and that guy's a priest because I'm a halfling, so I'm going to stab him. He's clearly into little children. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Rocks Fall, everyone dies. Game over. I'm done. I'm yeah. not playing with you people anymore. And I feel like Kingpin would do that as well. Yes, he would. <laughs> he would be like, you know what? I'm fed up with this shit. I win. The end. <laughs> But you were saying as well he'd be um, what the type of person to take like out of table drama, yeah, onto the, onto yeah. the table. Yeah, he would be the guy that's like, no, I'm going to send you a message through our game. I'm going to make sure that you know that you've pissed me off. Like, um, oh, you didn't bring in enough money this week. Well, I guess your character doesn't have a leg anymore. Yeah, it's weird that way. <laughs> your character just- finds finds their yeah. backstory <laughs> companion with a note that says you owe me five dollars. <laughs> or and vice versa as well like if he built up a really big boss or something and somebody just banished it that guy would just get chucked in the lake with cement shoes like the next day like oh he couldn't make it this session we're not going to be seeing him anymore sorry <laughs> like, yeah I I don't want to play at Kingpin's table I want to watch Kingpin's table yeah absolutely you know, I don't want to you know, be at that be wonderful. table yeah Kingpin runs a lot of one shots yeah, I think Kingpin would also be a really good, but maybe too good at describing different deaths and things yes. like that as well. But like to a it's scary level it. where the player is like, "Ooh, this is this is a bit too this is a bit too specific." Yeah, uh, that sounds like what happened to Johnny Two Fingers last week. <laughs> and now we've got like this this two fingered guy running around in the game. I'm, I'm a little concerned. I love the idea of who we've got playing the game with him too. Yeah. These very nervous mobsters. Uh, I think he would develop like really intricate plots, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel that he'd have like some really long running plans for campaigns. He'd never get to them because he'd kill everyone (laughs) at some point. But yeah, I can see that being a fun game. (laughs) All right, let us wrap it up then. Um, thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for the final episode of, of Echo, uh, where we're talking about Maya, uh, where it's, hey, I think this one's going to be about Maya. 
Who knew? Um, But leave a rating for us wherever podcasts are found and subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they come out. Uh, You can also leave ratings on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you leave five-star reviews, I will read them out on the show uh, when we get them. I'm just looking at you guys not leaving five-star reviews, you guys. Give us some five-star reviews. So you should do it. (laughs) Uh, And tell your friends, too, about episodes that are out. If you really like one, you can share it with your friends. And that would be appreciated. Because the more listens actually means that more potential ad revenue um, for some of the plans that I've got coming up. Uh I'll talk Mm. about those later. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with us, uh, find us on social media. Danny, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at danny.calamari. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at dndntvpod. And you can find myself on Instagram at talament, T-A-L-U-M-I-N-H-3, um, where I'm probably just going to be posting stuff about the podcast or just random stories about industry stuff so so don't be as interested about that um you can also send us emails with questions which is probably a good idea because there is going to be the wrap-up episode coming in pretty soon um so if you'd like to talk to us about echo that'd be great you can send them to dndntpod at gmail.com um you can also find us at fortress emporium on sundays running dungeons and flagons uh for masters of alchemy the premier game mastering service in melbourne which is great group bringing you this podcast uh you can head over there to the fortress website and book us for games you can go for queens of the quest which is coming back you can go for the campaigns which are monthly sessions um not monthly sessions weekly sessions of a monthly game there we go that works the other thing you can do is book us for private games which is fun too because we can put all of this into the one shot that will run for you what else do i need to say silence did you say silence no, I didn't. I was Did you try to, to silence yes. me. <laughs> I didn't Jeez. say silence. I, I promise. I would love it if the silence spell was just someone saying silence or shh, <laughs> and that's it. Um, well, I think that's pretty much it. So until next time, may all your hits be. Wait, I've got to say other stuff. Stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. May all your hits be crits. May all your hits be crits. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.